Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are halfway through the football season, and basketball is back into full swing. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus today. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody. It is time for the Memes of the Weekend pod here on a Monday, here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is week number 10 in the NFL, week number 11 in college football. NBA is existing right now. Is there anything funny that happened in the NBA? I'm not really sure, trying to think off the top of my head right now. I don't think there was much. I love the Steph Curry turnaround point. Patrick Beverly got some Lakers fans upset. But other than that, the NBA just kind of exists right now. This podcast is just going to start off and probably go as long as we can just laughing at Texas, losing to Kansas, because it was the greatest And this uh, was something I said on the Instagram was going to be the entire Memes of the Weekend podcast. And it will not be the entire Memes of the Weekend podcast because, of course, we have to hand out our Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. And we need to mock the ACC and Pac-12 as we do every single week. And just kind of sum up some of the NFL games we didn't talk about on the NFL Monday pod because I am sticking to my standard. We will discuss every NFL game by the time the season is over in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just acknowledging that it existed on a Sunday. So we'll get to all that, but let's just do Texas-Kansas because there's so much good stuff that came out of this game. First and foremost, um, let's pick up where we left off on the uh, Wired Up episode where Stripe Hype and I found out that the Texas Longhorns were losing at home 14-0 to Kansas at the end of the first quarter at the very end of our podcast. And we talked about how if and when Kansas ended up winning that game, that we would get to laugh our ass off for an entire podcast because Kentucky was playing Vanderbilt and that game only exists for Kentucky to get played. And so it ended up being a conversation that led to Kansas and Texas. So for those who don't know, Kansas did end up winning 57 to 56. And again, this is just the context off the front end. Let's talk about exactly who the Kansas Jayhawks football team has been over the last 13 years because we've done this podcast many times before it's been a staple for 18 months here on the take it easy podcast is talking about how amazing Kansas football is so after Mark Mangino wins the Orange Bowl in 2007 the only ranked season Kansas has had since 1995 and one of four ranked seasons since 1968 for the Kansas Jayhawks Kansas won the Orange Bowl with an amazing photo of their coach, Mark Mangino, who is fatter than the Orange Bowl mascot. It is an amazing photo. I highly recommend people check it out. Uh, It's the profile photo for Dan Lebetard on Twitter, if you want to look that up. And after Mark Mangino's 07 and 08 seasons, they had 2009 when after starting 5-0, they finished 0-7. 
following year, 1 and 7 in conference play, last place in the North Division. 2011, 0 and 9, last place, 10 out of 10. 2012, 0 and 9, 10 out of 10. 2013, 1 and 8, 10 out of 10. 2014, 1 and 8, but they finished 9th out of 10 because the team they beat was Iowa State, and Iowa State happened to not win a game in conference play that year, so they got 9th place in 2014. 2015, 0 and 9 and an 0 and 12 season altogether, which is really hard considering you can schedule easy wins on your schedule. Who did they schedule out of conference? Why, of course, at Rutgers. Lost. I watched every second of that game as a child. Memphis lost that one at home against South Dakota State. Lost by three at home. That was the out of conference schedule they had. They went 0 and 12 that year. 2016, 1 and 8, 10th place in the conference. 2007, 0 and 9, dead last. 2018, 2018. There we go. 1 and 8, dead last. 2019, higher less miles. 1 and 8, dead last. 2020, higher less miles. 0 and 9 record as well as 0 and 8 in conference play. Dead last. Since 2008, the Kansas Jayhawks coming into Saturday were 5 and 108 in conference play. 5 and 108. They had not won a road Big 12 conference game since October 4th, 2008. 13 years without winning a road conference game. 56 game losing streak. You know what the next closest was? 11. 11 losses was the next closest streak. They had 56. Kansas is the worst program in college football, and yet they kicked the Texas Longhorns' ass. And we joked last week after Texas got manhandled by Iowa State and uh, all the monkey scandal that we talked about on the Slump Buster with Juju Talk Sports, who happens to be a Longhorns fan, which makes this all the more perfect. At least you had the Kansas game. That's your life raft to keep this thing alive. And good Lord, it is gone. Now you've lost to Kansas. That is a program destroyer in the same way that we talked about when they played Oklahoma that you were playing with house money because this year didn't really matter and you were just trying to build that program up. Nah, you lose to Kansas. That is a program destroyer right there. And I was reading an article on CBS Sports Network because I was surprised like Kansas, Texas fans were ready to fire Sark altogether. At least the sentiment is they're not going to fire Sark immediately, but it already feels like a failure. Like, you already know that this is setting up for a loss for Kansas. So then we get back to the game, and Kansas put up 35 points in the first half, and this was the moment where I turned on this game and watched more Kansas football than I had any other team this season. I watched the entire second half of that game. I was making memes. I was making LOL moments. 
it wasn't like Kansas played particularly well on defense because Kansas kept getting every time they were up 14 they'd give up a touchdown every time they got up 14 give up a touchdown it just kept getting closer and closer and closer and by the very end it was a 14 point game in favor of Kansas with eight minutes left and no one felt confident about that because you knew Texas was a better team it's why I said when we were talking with Stripe Hype on Sunday yeah it's never gonna happen but at least we get this right now. At least we can see this and laugh at it. And lo and behold, that is exactly the same sentiment that carried on. It's like, it's not going to actually happen. It's not going to actually happen. And then you're up 14 with eight minutes left. You still feel like it's not going to happen. And then Texas scores a touchdown. And then Kansas gives it back to Texas. And then Texas, with a minute to go and three timeouts has the ball at their twin at the Kansas 20-yard line. This is the not Kirk Cousins purgatory. This is a great moment. And so it is in this very moment that Texas throws an interception in the end zone and I scream with unrivaled joy because it looks like Kansas is going to win. They're going to they need one first down and it's over. One first down and you beat Texas. And they go, zero-yard run, zero-yard run, one-yard run. By the way, this comes after on the play before, on the drive before, before the interception. They went for it on fourth and one on their own 35, up seven. A great call that offended the sensibilities of the broadcaster, which, by the way, that broadcaster had a stick up his butt. They were aghast at the idea of going for it on fourth and one on your own side of the field up seven, the same way they were aghast at Bill Belichick back against the Colts in 2009 when he went for it up six on his own 29 against Peyton Manning. And if he picked up the first down, he would have won the game. People were aghast at the idea on the broadcast that Kansas would go for it. But Kansas did, and they did not get it. Because Kansas couldn't get one yard. They needed 10 yards. They'll give you a negative one. That's what they did when they needed to seal the game. Because Kansas is... I don't know how. I don't know how they found a way to score 49 points. 50... Sorry, 56 points. I don't know how they managed to do it. I don't know how they scored 49 in regulation. I don't know how they scored 57 in the game. I don't get it. Because that offense, every time I was watching it, just felt so bad. And so Texas ends up getting the ball back a second time. Returns a punt across midfield and with 24 seconds scores the game-tying touchdown. And I just felt like it had been stripped away from me. That it was about to be a magical victory and it was stripped away. This magical meme-filled moment was not going to get to be a thing. And we f- I'd fought so hard. I'd spent three and a half hours watching this football game. It was a crazy football game, no doubt. But I spent three and a half hours watching it and I wasn't going to get the payoff. Which is kind of the problem with emotionally investing in sports is that you can invest so much time and not get the result you're looking for. Which some people enjoy. I know I used to do it. I punched a wall when the Dodgers won a game three of a playoff series 
and I don't do that as much anymore with the same type of emotional intensity, but God damn it, if I wasn't doing it for Kansas, I wasn't rooting for the content of all content to be gifted into my life. And so Kansas gives up that score, goes to overtime, wins the toss so they get the ball second. Texas scores a touchdown, but then Texas gets a penalty. They get a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. So now Kansas only has to go 12 and a half yards, which you still don't feel good about Kansas getting 12 and a half yards, but they get it anyways. And then Kansas scores and they go for two. Because if you're telling Kansas at the start of this game, you can have one play to beat Texas when you're 32 point underdogs. You can have one play to beat the Texas Longhorns. Do you do it? Kansas says, hell yeah. And on the snap, the quarterback rolls to his right. And when the quarterback starts rolling to his right and there's two orange jerseys in the backfield, in like just as an instinct, I'm like, ah, shit. This is, this is going to go downhill. And I say it, I'm like, oh, I let out like a grunt. But that means, oh, shit, in my head. Because I'm just so disappointed in this moment. And so... Kansas ends up rolling the quarterback rolls out throws to an uh, uh, a walk on I don't even know what position he is he looked like one of the fat guys so I'm guessing it was a tight end a walk on tight end makes the catch everyone's piling on him the coach is trying to calm everyone down and Kansas wins the guy gets up gets taken out by his own player because that's how Kansas celebrates is by clotheslining your own guy who just scored the game-winning touchdown. He falls down, gets back up, starts running down the field. His parents are sitting on the far side of the end zone in a totally empty stadium in Texas because that stadium cleared halfway out by halftime. And his parents are sitting down there. There's a video that was going around on SportsCenter, I think, of them celebrating the victory. And him walking over and pointing to them, or I guess running over halfway all the way down the field. And then more teammates surrounding him and Kansas celebrating. Because if you're going to Kansas, you're a, you're a FCS prospect. You're not a D1 prospect. And if you're a walk-on at Kansas, you are not a D1 prospect at all. Because Kansas is not a D1 football program. You don't go 5-106 and 106 while being a D1 program. They play at the level of a Division II football program, and that is fine by Kansas. They're going to take that football money, they're going to invest it right back into basketball, and to have that moment against Texas feels the exact same way as a Cinderella team winning in March Madness. It feels like that moment of Abilene Christian beating the mighty Texas Longhorns. That's what Kansas winning feels like. It's the unthinkable of all unthinkables. A team that hadn't won a road Big 12 game in 13 goddamned seasons. And for it to be Texas is perfect because you know we don't really like the Texas program here on the uh, Take It Easy podcast. Not really like anything they do. It's just a lot of it has to do with the eyes of Texas stuff. But also, remember how we make our beefs with the Chicago Bears, New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos of perpetually mediocre teams that 
with fan bases who think they have expectations and should in this case because Texas has the second largest athletic budget in all of college football, larger than Alabama, larger than Georgia, larger than Ohio State. Texas has a bigger budget than all of those. They have more financial resources. They just don't have the will. And that is the unfortunate situation for Texas is that they'd rather be powerful people who do it their way than do it the right way. And that will sometimes involve playing a really racist song and standing in a same, basically just the same paradox that we talked about with Kaepernick around the NFL's protest is players want to protest the eyes of Texas for being racist. Nope, you will stand and you will sing that song because us white people really love that song. And that all comes together to make Texas an unlikable program. And the fact that they lose to Kansas and that fan base loses to Kansas makes it even better. No disrespect to our boy Juju Talk Sports. I know uh, he is an avid Longhorn fan from Austin. And let me just say, it's really funny that y'all have expectations and then have that happen. Because I said there were literally no expectations this year. Y'all were playing with house money. If you lose to Baylor, that's okay. You were expected to lose to Baylor this year. If you lose to Oklahoma, of course you're expected to lose to Oklahoma with 70% of Tom Herman's players. If you lose against Oklahoma State, that's okay too. You weren't expected to beat Oklahoma State this year, but you can't lose to Kansas. You can't lose to Kansas. That's one of those that all of those losses stink. And playing in the uh, Meineke Car Care Bowl or whatever they're going to play in. Not, I mean, not anymore. Now they might not make a bowl game at all. But the fact that they were looking like they were going to go 7-5 and five and play in the Meineke Car Care Bowl felt like... That was going to be something that's like, it's okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Losing to Kansas might just be the worst thing in the world. Losing to Kansas that way is really bad. And everyone's going to make fun of you after that one. So let's go through some of the other funnier things from this game that I found. Number one, Kansas's helmets. If you have not seen them, Google Kansas helmets uh, on Twitter. You will see that they look like Toucan Sam having an acid trip. Uh, the helmet has uh, like bolts that go through it, but the bolts happen to go through the mouth. So it looks like Toucan Sam on Ecstasy has a lot of like piercings through its mouth. Uh, the beak is gigantic. It is a really freaky helmet, but Kansas's way of competing in the uh, cutthroat business of recruiting in college football is we're just going to have cool helmets and we're going to change our helmets every other week. So that's how Kansas is going to recruit D2 athletes to come play at a D1 program and lose one uh, or win one out of every 20 conference games. So yeah, that happened. Um we talked about the 53 game or 54 that 56 game road losing streak in the Big 12. That has happened as well. Um do you know the last time that the University of Kansas won a game at Texas? Never. It's never happened. We talked about it with the Lions and the Steelers one, that the Lions have not won a game at Pittsburgh since 1955. Kansas, you can take it back even further. Never, ever has Kansas won a game at Texas in the history of the Kansas football program. Not once. And Texas, five-game losing streak. Last time that happened, 1956. It's unfreaking believably funny. I love it so, so much. Thank you, Kansas. Go back to losing. I'm fine with that. Or be good. One of the two. Because if Kansas is good, 
everyone in the Big 12 is getting fired. Every coach. It happened in 2008. If you don't beat Kansas and Kansas wins the Big 12 title, sorry, you're doing something wrong here. It's the same thing when Wake Forest wins the ACC. Wake Forest can win the ACC with the one of the lowest budgets in the conference. Everyone else doesn't really have many excuses. That's when you get a firing spree out here. So maybe Kansas, you either need to be really good or go back to being really, really bad. Because now that the streak is over, maybe this is a building block for your program. Or maybe you'll go 2-10 and 10 on the season. One of the two. I just want to believe. Just want to believe there is something going on there with Lance Leopold. Who I was, I was confused, like, why is Lance Leopold taking the Kansas job? So he left Buffalo to coach Kansas. He was previously at a Division three school in Wisconsin, which is where he's from, and he won, like, six championships there before taking the Buffalo job. And when he took the Buffalo job, he was there for six, seven years. They had one really good season, and... Leopold ended up jumping to Kansas, which I was like, that's interesting because he, I guess Kansas is a power five school. That's not even a real D one program. But I guess if you come from that background, you can have these like less resource building programs. I don't know what Leopold's going to do or if he can do anything or if he'll just be another David Beatty or Charlie Weiss or Les miles. But maybe there's something brewing here. I just need Kansas to either pull more upsets or not exist again. We need you to not be in the middle. We can't have you beating like TCU and Texas Tech every year and finishing seventh in the Big 12. We need you to either be goddamn awful, or we need you to start beating more good teams, or at least programs that we care about. So thank you, Kansas. I love you so very much. We will continue to torch you, but just know it is all out of love. All of the jokes we make at the expense of Kansas football is out of love. And that's the same thing we do with college football. I know people tell me all the time, like, if you love college football so much, why do you shit on it? I'm like, you ha- to make fun of something, you have to love it. You have to love something in an effort to make fun of it. And I love college football. I love the irrational behavior around it. It's so damn easy to make fun of. Texas is so damn easy to make fun of especially when they're unlikable. When you're unlikable and easy to make fun of, you expect me to not do it? I mean, come on, come on. I mean, it's so much, it's so great. It's so fantastic. Love you, Kansas. Love you so much. All right, let's just hit them with five quick little things this week, which is basically just the five NFL games I didn't want to talk about over on the NFL Monday pod, or at least the five games that were just weird blowouts. So let us commence with this for the remainder of our Memes of the Weekend podcast. One, the Dallas Cowboys put a beat down on the Atlanta Falcons, uh, proving once and for all that the Atlanta Falcons are, in fact, not for real. They are going to fight aggressively for their seven wins this year, and that is going to be a successful season for them, considering I thought they might be tanking at the start of the season. I didn't think they'd be as bad as last year, because last year they they had a lot of one-possession bad losses uh, and a lot of blown leads, so they were probably better than their record suggested, but this Falcons team looks very different than the Falcons teams of yesteryear, and so the Cowboys beat up on them, as the Cowboys tend to do. Cowboys are a very good team. Uh, the Cowboys are one of these five really good teams that we talked about. Are they better than the Packers and the Bucks? I mean, week to week, it's a thing. I think they can beat both of those teams. They'd be underdogs in those matchups. I still don't trust their defense, which generated a bunch of turnovers on Matt Ryan today, but good job on their part. 
kicked ass against the Falcons. This was a market res- or a, a market correction result where the Falcons are no longer the seven seed in the NFC playoffs and the Cowboys are not losing by 30 points to Teddy Bridgewater. Speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, two, the Broncos, which as we've joked about before, exists to be the fourth game out of four in the afternoon block of an NFL Sunday. And this was very much that game today, playing at home with the weird camera lighting at the Mile High Stadium. It always has a very distinct glow, similarly to Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy or the Texan Stadium, but has a very distinct camera lens. Oh, Jaguars game too, but a very distinct lens filter on that one. So uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um, the Denver Broncos played like the Denver Broncos. I mentioned on the NFL Monday pod that Teddy Bridgewater only had, uh, if I remember correctly, two passes further than 10 yards down the field, and Teddy, which is two more than Jared Goff had during the day, but Teddy Bridgewater did indeed go back to game manager Teddy Bridgewater. They didn't force turnovers against the Eagles. Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith aren't quite Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. This is like the former teammate combo thing where for some reason a bunch of teams drafted quarterbacks and then put wide receivers that were former college teammates. Um, That's obviously Burrow and Chase LSU, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, Alabama, and Tua Tungavailoa, or sorry, Jalen Waddell, Tua, Alabama, Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts, Alabama, and the Hurts-Smith connections worked out fine. I know Devonta Smith's on pace to be just under um, a thousand yards this year, I believe, which means there's a chance he gets to a thousand as a rookie, which is a benchmark number. I mean, Corey Davis hit a thousand last year. So if that's the number, that's a pretty good benchmark to hit, especially as a rookie, because that offense will only grow in stature for the Philadelphia Eagles. But this was the the finest performance Jalen Hurts had 103 passer rating. At one point he was 15 for 17 for 200 yards and two touchdowns and a third one that Quez Watkins just straight dropped. So it was a great job by the Eagles. Are the Eagles good? No, but the Philadelphia Eagles have decided that they're not going to go about tanking this year, despite the fact they're going to have three picks in the top 15 in this year's draft. One from the Indianapolis Colts, potentially, which might not be top 15, might be top 20. Um, The Colts are now 500 again. One from the Miami Dolphins, and of course, their own pick. So, good on the Philadelphia Eagles. They'll turn this ship around. We had this conversation on uh, Sunday with Stripe Hype, and the Eagles ended up getting that victory against the Denver Broncos, much to the uh, chagrin of our buddy, or I guess chagrin is good, much to the uh, unhappiness of our friends Walter Mitchell and Blake Jude, who both had the Denver Broncos this week. Number three, The Buffalo Bills, who kicked ass against the New York Jets because Mike White is not actually a good quarterback. Mike White is just Gardner Minshew repurposed, right? This is just repackaged Gardner Minshew at this point. Minshew finally got exposed. Now he's going to go be the backup to Jalen Hurts. Seems like this is just a repurposed version of that at this point. So good job for Mike White. It was fun while it lasted. Uh, That Colts game was fun as well, but now we know, of course, that you're not actually good because you're Mike White and no one knew about you till three weeks ago and you sound like the generic video game character of someone who, uh, who has played now 13 years on their Madden team and no longer has uh, the, the players that they started with because they've all retired. So you just have generic names like Mike White with generic profile photos and fourth-year quarterbacks out of Western Kentucky playing for the Jets. So yeah, it was fun while it lasted. Buffalo is still really good. 
the fluke game against the Jaguars was not a sign that Buffalo is terrible. It's just a sign that Buffalo is vulnerable. And I think pretty much every team in the AFC is vulnerable this season. Number four, uh, let us commence with the celebration on behalf of our friends over in Indianapolis. We talked about them earlier. They beat the Jaguars. It was not a fun game, but it just, it existed. The game existed, and that's the best we can say about that one. Uh, congratulations to the Colts for getting back to 500. Jaguars, your offense sucks. Fire Daryl Bevel at this point. Uh, we will not be talking about the Jaguars very much the rest of the season. And finally, number five, the Vikings and the Chargers, which is a game that I felt like was primed for Kirk Cousins' purgatory and yet did not have that end up happening. Uh, it was fun to believe in the Kirk Cousins purgatory gift while it was there, but no, Kirk Cousins won the game straight up, and Justin Herbert had another rough week, and the Vikings are very confusing, but the Vikings we know are not actually that good. Their defense is not actually that good. Very confounding on offense. Chargers looked like they were headed for that Kirk Cousins purgatory, but it did not work out well there. It ends up being a seven-point victory for the Minnesota Vikings. I can't tell you very much about what happened in that game, but I can read box score stats if that would please the masses here um, from the Vikings and Chargers game. I know Justin Herbert had a 70 passer rating today, but we can see what else. Oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson flipping the ball in the face of Keenan Allen. Bold move, buddy. <laughs> Bold move, but I, especially when you're surrounded by the Chargers bench, but I liked it. Like the, the bold cojones move right there on the part of our buddy Justin Jefferson, who finished with nine catches for 143 yards here today as Kirk Cousins threw for 294 yards, 25 of 37, finished with a passer rating of 109.5 because Kirk Cousins avoid throwing interceptions. A fine, fine performance by Kirk Cousins, over 100 rushing yards. Chargers defense is not actually that good, and when their offense isn't revving like it's been in the past few weeks, you can see some disappointment like what's going on now, where the Chargers are going to have to duel it out over the next few weeks to try and make it in that vaunted AFC playoff picture. Ah, yes, it is time to award the Kirk Cousins slash Philip Rivers Purgatory Award for week number 10. And I think the most ideal version of this would be to give it to the Texas Longhorns, but in this case, I think there is a dual award that this one belongs to, and that is Mason Rudolph and Jared Goff for that pity of a performance that they put on for us in Pittsburgh today where neither team wanted to steal the game at the very end. Jared Goff and Mason Rudolph, you both deserve your first recognitions under the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. And in fairness to both of you, this is an award that rivals merit for both of you. I know Jared Goff comes from a long line of Matthew Stafford games that have lived in Kirk Cousins purgatory and I find it fantastic that he will continue on this tradition further. So to you Jared Goff and to you Mason Rudolph I have a feeling this will be your only one ever Mason Rudolph but long live the magical game the magical tie at 16-16 where Jared Goff was not allowed to throw the football. You both deserve 
this wonderful award for week number 10 in a week where there were literally no one possession games at the end of games. So this is the best we can bestow upon you other than giving it to Texas, who is also equally worthy of this recognition. Finally, here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, we mock the Pac-12 and ACC. Pac-12, you get a little bit of an off week this week. Yes, there was a funny result of Washington being up seven with five minutes to go and losing by like two scores, but Arizona State was technically the better team, and Arizona was also tied with Utah at one point. But you guys get salvaged this week because I would like to discuss the ACC because the ACC had a couple of these lovely, lovely fun results. It began on Thursday when Pitt defeated North Carolina in overtime in a magical game with both teams fairly evenly matched in this one. Both of them had uh, hopes of winning the ACC Coastal at the start of the season, but Pitt, this ne- Pitt has now eliminated North Carolina from championship contention. Very disappointing year for them, but both of them went to overtime, and it felt like that game was living in purgatory of the ACC Coastal. Miami, ah, you guys were the next team, right? You'd won three games in a row. You'd beaten ranked NC State. You'd beaten ranked Pitt. It was a fun time to be a Miami Hurricane fan. You guys had a path to the ACC championship and then you played Florida State, 3-6 and six Florida State, and you did what the ACC Coastal always does, which is lose to said Florida State team and uh, make it so that your chances to win the ACC are nearly impossible. Yes, Clemson beat UConn today. UConn also had a touchdown where their players high-fived on the way to the end zone, uh, but they still did get walloped by Clemson. Uh, congratulations to Florida State for winning against Miami. Uh, That is the fun result that we get to walk away with. Florida State keeps their bowl hopes alive. They need a win against Florida, which is now entirely possible because Florida almost lost to Samford this week. They gave up 42 points to Samford, which is truly, truly unbelievable. And Florida State also has a game against Boston College next week. So bowl eligibility is still in play for our friend Mike Norvell, even as Mike Norvell as people may forget, lost to Jacksonville State earlier this year. Not even the Jacksonville State from Jacksonville, Florida, from Jacksonville, Alabama. Florida State's not playing for anything except a meaningless bowl game, and yet they spoil the Miami Hurricanes' chances of winning the ACC Coastal and playing Wake Forest for the championship. With, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Memes of the Weekend podcast, and thank you for stopping into all of the episodes that we have. If you want to check out NFL Monday, it is the next episode here. Just let this podcast finish in about 20 seconds and start playing NFL Monday for some more serious analysis, but also just laughing at Lions and Steelers. That's a lot of our serious analysis here. Thank you for stopping in, everybody. And as always, take it easy. Talk to you again tomorrow or in 20 seconds or... Whenever and however it is you're listening.